Recovery is real. Hey Warriors, it's LC. This is the theme of Shop Recovery Stuff's spring line of apparel and merchandise. ShopRecoveryStuff.com has the most stylish, thought-provoking, and inspirational recovery merchandise so that you can live your recovery out loud and shine a beacon of hope for all those still sick and suffering. Hope is real because recovery is real. Get on over to ShopRecoveryStuff.com and tell them LC sent you. What's up, Recovery Soul Food Podcast listeners and all the amazing folks that have been waiting to meet the Sober Experiment ladies, Alex and Lisa. I'm so grateful for them to be here with us today. And you know what? It's been a while since we've done an episode of the Recovery Soul Food Podcast. Since they were on episode two, I thought it only fitting to have my favorite sober ladies back in the house for this kind of even a, a new relaunch because now we're going video as well as audio. So we're doing this live today. I hope that um, everyone will show up and, and show out for these ladies, show them what you know warriors look like over here with us and just show them our love. You guys share this out. But I want to let you know that the Recovery Soul Food Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at shoprecoverystuff.com. Hey, listen, if you want to shine your recovery light, if you want to wear your recovery out loud, then get over to shoprecoverystuff.com. Tell them LC sent you. Pick up the latest, most stylish apparel, jewelry, gifts, pretty much a little bit of everything, even COVID masks we got so we can we can just clothe ourselves in all recovery so there's no question. So get over to shoprecoverystuff.com. I love those people. Marty and Mark McLeod are just amazing. They are part of the reason that I sit here with you guys today and have the ability to do this. So without further ado, let's get into recovery soul food meets the sober experiment. What's up, ladies? What's up? Hey! I can't believe that I get to be here with all of you, you beautiful folks. You guys make me so happy. Just so happy to make me. <laughs> you, you made me all giddy. I was getting really giddy before, and I don't know why. She's like this next to me going, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. <laughs> It makes me that way. I don't know what it is. That's the effect that you ladies have on me. I tell you, I just love your spirit is so great. It's so light. It's really just this happy, positive vibe. And you really stand in, you really just, you just stand in your voice. You stand in your power in a way that is extremely positive, that you tell your story in a way that's very honest with, you know, the ability not to get stuck down in 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 the sober of it, but actually be able to take it a little, take yourselves less serious, which is such an amazing part of healing. You know, I mean, come on, we got to be able to just lighten up on ourselves. And and you guys put a different spin on sobriety for me, and I had not ever heard it, you know, announced that way, taught that way. I've never heard it 
so non-judgmental the way that you all come across it and your and of course your story is so unique so for those listeners that have not seen the episode two of the podcast tell us a little bit about who you all are how you're sitting here together and just all the good stuff. introduce yourselves please I'm just looking, you saw kind of like, is he talking about us? <laughs> <laughs> is somebody else there? Absolutely, oh. I am. I love y'all. <laughs> so, well, do you want us to start at the beginning of how we got together as? Yeah. How, yeah, okay. So I'm Alex. <clears throat> I'm Alex. I'm one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm <laughs> the other half. <laughs> do you not decide whether to say the other half of the Sober Experiment sometimes, yeah. but yeah. So, yeah, we've known each other for over 30 years now. Um, and we were kind of thrown together. So uh, my dad and Lisa's stepdad were drinking partners. That They both owned pubs. They'd known each other for a long time. And uh, Lisa's mum and my mum my met through our dad and stepdad. And it was at my mum's barbecue party and... Lisa's mum said, oh, I want you to meet my daughter. So Lisa ended up staying at our house. We were just thrown together. You're sleeping over the night. And honestly, I can say, I mean, we've had periods where we're not in each other's pockets, but we have been in each other's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we just we just clicked instantly. So as far as our friendship goes, it's 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 pretty much always been the same. We've, we were best friends then. We're best friends now. Um, we always agree on everything. We're quite different. We found this more, I think, since being sober, haven't we? Yeah. Like we thought we was like exactly the same, and actually, we completely the way that you are. Yeah, and it, and we get kind of um, not not irritated by each other because what will happen? Is one oh, of us, hold on a minute. See what? <laughs> no, one of us will say to the other one, "Oh well, I don't you do." this way or something like that and then a little bit later in the week the other one will do exactly the same you're like oh actually you know what <laughs> we're the same so we're the same but different um and yeah I guess our drinking together started in our teens experimenting the usual stuff buying bottles of cider and um kind of very strong cider drinking in the park drinking on the street drinking on the buses drinking at discos just drinking a lot of drinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, I guess, and I guess guess look and, and drugs really yeah yeah and look, there was there were some drugs and then looking back on that it was just normal that was just normal because that's the because of where we lived and we were like in, a, in an underprivileged upbringing and we you know what, what we call the council estates here is where I grew up I guess the best way I could kind of um it's like your associate housing where you ask like almost like not quite the same as the projects but right state funded. so we came from that kind of background and we didn't know any different so that's what we did you, that was the only thing to do there were no kind of healthy places to go you just drank with your friends and you drank with each other and that was that and then as we entered like early adulthood we lisa's mum owned another pub and we actually ended up working together behind the bar well, that was just like amazing because we got to do our favourite thing. <laughs> yeah, so you know we'd be behind the bar and we were a great duo behind the bar, 
and people would be like, oh, get yourselves a drink. And you know, like most bar staff, I don't know how it is over there, you get a tip and you put it in your tip jar, we yeah. put it and have it. So, right. you know, we're all kind of half cut. Really. Yeah, definitely. I think what we didn't realise, thinking about it, and, you know, we surprise ourselves all the time, but actually we was probably very drunk for a long time without even realising it. We was permanent, permanently had alcohol in our system yeah. because we would be working behind the bars, then we would be going out, and then we'd have other jobs in college and uni and things like that. Yeah. And then you come quite early, didn't you? And that changed things then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so then, then, it, then it went to kind of, taking a bottle of wine round to Lisa's house or Lisa coming to my house and it became a bit more sophisticated drink. We had to learn to drink rosé, you know. Like, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we became, you know, cosmopolitan readers with our wine, you know, like we had to learn to like wine instead of our half a lager. And, and that changed over the years as well. And then then we'd just be like drinkers with dinner and then we'd be, oh, kids are are in bed let's go out you know the kids are safe let's go out so then it became our time our yeah. and what started out probably you know not unhealthy but normal-ish for us I guess it was always unhealthy because both of us used it very differently than our friends looking back yeah um but it just very quickly descended into weekend binge drinking and put us both in a really dangerous place separately and together mm-hmm yeah we'd, we'd drink together then we'd end up separated we'd be wandering around like quite dodgy areas separately getting in different taxis we'd lose coats lose money lose shoes lose bags you know and then because there were two of us always one of us would have done worse than the other and that's how we would enable each other and justify each other's behavior it'd be yeah. like sorry i did worse this week or yeah yeah i did worse this week and yeah i guess we fast forward you go, you take over then, because you'd had enough, haven't you? I'd had enough of you and our dream. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, my life took quite a different turn, and I'd left my um, first husband, remarried, and he was a very, very big drinker, and I found that I became quite... I was enabling, I think, looking back, I was an enabler and he was an alcoholic and I found that I was drinking. But what I was doing is I was going out with my friends. I say friends. They were just people I found to drink with a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. names yeah. and they weren't really friends. But I was going out like going, oh, my God, he's drinking this and he's doing this. Whilst drinking... <laughs> getting drunk and I was getting myself into some really really dangerous situations but like Alex said I was using it as because then I was kind of in and out of a relationship I was like splitting up and it was just really complicated but I've now at this point got three teenagers so my eldest daughter is just I can see she's just like I was and she did she drinks in a way when I was a teenager for the same reasons that I did. And I've got to kind of deal with that, that she's, that's learned behavior from what she's doing. And when I've been in a bad situation, I've got the, um, the switch, can you swear on here? But I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll swear for her, she's got the fuck it switch. (laughs) So, you know, when everything's going a little bit upside down, I'd be like, oh, I can't do it now. No, I'm talking. I can't but I'm like, oh, F it, I'm going out. And that's how I drank. 
and and she kind of does the same thing now but then my younger two were going through a real you know they were obviously dealing with my relationship breakdown and other things that in the area that we live there was a lot going on about criminal exploitation and drugs and drink and my youngest were really trying to deal with that as well and I was running away I wasn't stepping up I wasn't being the mum that I should have been I was panicking and thinking I don't know how to cope with this so I was I was drinking more and more then to deal with it and then I was hating on myself and I was disappointed at my parenting my life my it just went really bad. It just, cycle. Honestly, it just, cycle. Yep. Yeah. And you can't get out of it, could you? I just felt like I couldn't get out of it. And then I was doing things that were just, I'm so passionate about health and well-being and positivity and the universe and all these amazing things. And everything I was doing just wasn't aligning with the real me. And although I might be drunk in somebody's kitchen giving it all you only live once we're only going to get this moment once let's like oh do you want some cocaine oh go on then I'll have a bit and it wasn't that's not me that's not what I'm into and I just had enough and I needed to step up and be the person that I knew somewhere deep down down deep down was like trying to get out and I um and I made the decision after a month I'd Spent a, a late night in somebody's kitchen, got drunk, couldn't make it to work. Told my children, was like, oh, if you go and get me some water, you can have the day off school. Like, what the hell? Um, and that morning I thought, this has got to stop. So I decided that I would initially take 100 days off drinking. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I put it on my social media because that meant it would really happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can tell people out there, and I don't go back on things like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I came to where I stopped drinking. Yeah, and then she phoned me on that day, and I just couldn't. I was trying to be a really good friend by doing saying what I should say as a friend. Oh, congratulations! I'm really pleased for you. Well done. And there was no way it was going to change our friendship for me. I wasn't going to, you know, right. depend on drinking. But there was a huge part of me that was disappointed. In honesty, you know, I, I was my drinking partner, and all of a sudden, oh hell! If she stopped drinking, she drinks like me. So shit, what does that mean about me? Right, I'm out here by myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does it say about my drinking? If she thinks she's got to stop, does she think I've got to stop? Does that mean I do have to stop? So yeah. it started this turmoil, which lasted honestly about a year. Um, I stopped drinking eleven months after Lisa. So she's she's going happily sober and i'm watching we didn't drift apart but there were aspects of our life that were completely unaligned now so i'm still drinking at weekends quite heavily lisa's enjoying the sobriety and battling with the beginning i had no idea what she was going through she she really didn't have anyone um she she didn't have any um friends that were sober any support network so unbeknown to me she's joined joined sober groups on Facebook and was just using it as her journal and her social network trying to get through the early days. Mm -hmm. And maybe after Lisa had been sober for about four months was when things, we've talked about this before and I I really hope 
trigger anybody here, but we'll, we need to be honest about the story. Yeah, we'll give a trigger warning. Yeah, everybody, you know, just just understand, you know, that's what we're talking about today. And there is a, you know, I'll put a trigger warning out. I didn't think about it and I should. But, you know, I think we're all, you know, pretty grown here and I don't want anybody in new recovery to be triggered. But we got to be able to talk about it honestly, you know, I mean, and we're all in a lot of ways, and I don't mean to be uh, insensitive because I think everybody here knows my heart. You know, I think that we have got to feel it to heal it. And sometimes the trigger is not the worst thing in the world that can happen. Many times it is the best thing because it allows you to sit in a, in a moment where you're in the middle of a, a life transforming story. And it's not like when that trigger happens, now you have to get up because everything, as we know, starts as a thought first. So the trigger is the thought, the action comes under the thought. And, you know, there is still nothing on earth that can pop you up out of the chair and make you go use or, or get the drink. And so I, I want us all to be able to talk here like adults and to be able to talk in the ways that are real. You know, I think when we dance around some kind of some subjects, yeah, yeah. too sensitive and and a lot of us get too used to not dealing with the hard things and we yeah. will never ever make it um oh no alicia lee you know i know that um no but, but we will never ever ever get to where we're trying to go in this world and this in this collective societies in recovery if we don't start jumping into some of the things that make us uncomfortable, that's where the healing is. But, you know, I think that it is, I think it's become, I think it's all from, from, from a really good place. We feel it in our heart to, you know, not want to, you know, we all, we also desperately want to help people with everything we do. And so it makes us people like us feel extra sensitive. Like we don't want to harm people. But I think that what they have to understand is this. We're also the people that will wrap you in, you know, hugs and love and support and all that. So, you know, I'm, I, yeah, yeah. I want you to talk plain okay. and <laughs> open and clear here. That's what I want. Before you do, can I just pick up on something that you said there that I think yeah. is really important? Like when you said, um, you've got to feel to heal. I'm all over that. I love it. I remember somebody saying to me, feelings healing and yeah. it's with me forever and when and it's so hard sometimes and it's not nice and you know we've just got to remember that we can do these hard we things can. yeah um, and it's important to feel and and if there's a way we can kind of find a little bit of gratitude i suppose that we can feel that because if we didn't feel yeah Hard sometimes we wouldn't ever feel so good, but yeah, feelings healing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that. you're good at that bit. That's the bit I wouldn't be able to do, right? So, um, so yeah, about October times, so Lisa had been stopped since the July, and um, in the August, I'll go back a little bit because in the August, I'd had um, quite a big argument with my husband. Now, he'd gone out and we were supposed to be spending the bank holiday weekend together and he'd gone out and so I sat at home and drank probably three bottles of wine on my own in self-pity and when when I used to drink it brought back and I didn't realize it at the time but looking back I did a lot of self-pitying yeah and I used to go over 
my childhood, my the 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 my dad being an alcoholic, the domestic violence that I witnessed, and I used to play it and play it and play it, and I've never really dealt with it. I'd never actually um, been to any counselling or therapy for it. My dad had died after being sober for ten years, and that was years previous. So I had all this stuff wrapped up, and, and I was never getting it out until I drank wine, and then it would pour out in bitterness. Yeah. So, I, I had never learned as a child how to deal with conflict in an adult way. And I just did tantrums. That was what I did. I'm still great at it, but I'm getting better because I know I do it now. <laughs> so he came in through the door and he just had a good time. He was doing nothing wrong. He was making himself a sandwich and he was being a little bit giddy. And I was just so angry. And I picked up this sandwich and the plate and threw it at him. And... He just looked at me and he said, that's the last time you're ever going to do that. If you get drunk like this again, I'm leaving you. And I knew, I just knew he meant it because I've done things like that before. Mm -hmm. before. Um, and I got up the next morning and I phoned Lisa, and this was in August, and I said, I have to stop drinking. I can't carry on the way that I am. I'm going to ruin my marriage, my mental health suffering. I don't know what to do. So she said, I'm going to help you. So we started off and I read The Unexpected Joy. I was being so, so excited. Yeah, she was. So I know you were. I was like trying to drill everything into her, right, you need to read this and you can go on this and you can, you know, like, because you just, I know. what I've, I've learned now is you can't really do that. No, <laughs> I know. You want to, like, give everybody all the information well. that you know. I know yeah. what I wanted you to be like. I wanted you to be at the point I was at. And yeah, I was to get the same point. <laughs> I'm telling you, we've talked about this before. You know, my wife was at that same point. We have different recovery times. And now she's just getting into her like awakening time. And so now, yeah. I'm like, oh, you got to get this and listen to this and listen to this. It's like I want to take like a thumb drive and go. Mir. Yeah, that's yeah, what you that's want what to, do. to do. Exactly what you want to do. It's like overwhelming, then, you know. But then it was a week into that. And I think a really good, bad thing happened to me. I found out I was pregnant. So I completely took my eye off the ball. I'd already had three children. I had never drank in my pregnancy. So all of a sudden, this takes off the pressure for me to do any self-development at all. I'm pregnant. I'm not going to drink. And it, I just stopped thinking about it. And it solved the problem at home because I wasn't drinking. All of those things went right. And three months later, I had a miscarriage. Oh, and wow. I, found out, I found out at the hospital appointment that I was going for my scan that I'd had the miscarriage at the scan. And as soon as they told me, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat, and it was it had only happened the day or two before, I am ashamed of this, but I think it's important to speak through shame as well because it, it helps me. And I am ashamed of this, but I went straight to the pub, fetus still in position, and I got absolutely wasted to blackout. Wasted like I've never been in, in like my adult life. And the cycle just died all over again. I had to have surgery, obviously, and so, and so many other things happened. And I was in a really bad place until about the May of the following year. And around the May time when it was my birthday, um, I phoned Lisa and I just said, I'm not doing it. I, I want to do this again. I really want to stop drinking now. I've got to do it. And she said, you will do it, but just do it when you're ready. And I had few more weeks of it and in the June I woke up with a hangover from hell I was like honestly I'm sorry I'm not very politically correct everybody I was walking around like the hunchback of Notre Dame being sick <laughs> on the floor 
and just in a really bad state and I said that's it I'm done and that then was at the point where I became sober as well so that was 11 months after Lisa wow a month after that we started the sober experiment talks so, oh we're straight in there weren't we straight in like you want to do this forever okay then yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, start a business and then you can never go back <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that is one of the things because it does give you quite a large bit of accountability. And, and especially oh, yeah. as it grows, there are times when, you know, I don't I don't say and I'm so grateful for this. I don't necessarily ever struggle with wanting to use or go back to that life at this point. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I want to sit in my own misery and my own self-pity and different things like that, it gives me motivation to say you know what what would i say to any one of these people that that you know i talk to on a daily basis what would my advice be for that person that i care about so much and it comes back to that self-worth and that self-love and that you know learning how to give ourselves and i you know alex what i heard in in your in in some of the story that you were sharing just now what really, really happens so many times in our brains when we have those big overwhelming issues, we go back to that place that we know, even if it's, even if we know it's bad for us, it's killing us. It is our, that default programming that we, it's so, e so much easier to cope in a way that, you know, and that's the way our brains are designed to do what we know versus, you know, being afraid of the unknown. And I think with not having a whole lot of experience there, not a lot of time under your belt there, that's almost like an, of course, you know, like that's a big thing, hard for a lot of women to, to, to go through and deal with. And I know that a lot of women will be able to relate to the pain of that story. And I love that you talk through the shame because I'm sure there are some, plenty of women that feel that same shame, you know, that, that this happened. And I used after that, because how do you begin to cope when you've got this many healthy coping skills and this one go-to that you yeah. know is going to erase that pain for a moment, for a moment. Definitely. And I think the thing to remember is as well, the longer you are sober or clean, the bigger your resilience gets because the yeah. bigger your toolbox gets and it's, I, mean, I, I know you won't know this, but a couple of months ago, I had a, mis a second miscarriage. And the way I dealt with that is completely different. Like, of course, I still grieved. Of course, I still felt the pain. But you know what? Not one part of it made me go back. And that was, I'm not a different person, but I've rewired my thinking. Yeah, that's, that's, and, that's valuable to say. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to... Um, I, I can't see any good coming from going back to something that was unhealthy in the first place. Whereas before you don't know that until you've been through the joy and you've got to a good place, you don't know how good it's going to get. I don't think you believe it's going to be as good as it is. So, yeah, you, yeah you, you know, and once you're in that place, nothing, I, I honestly don't think any life event could send me back there now. I feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. I feel exactly the same. And I think you're so right. And that's so beautifully and gracefully said, because you're right. You know, we've got to, we got to even out the scales there to have that, you know, to, to have that, uh, to be able to know that enough to know that it's not worth it. And that's mm -hmm. why I believe 
that I think we've got to move past the, the, the thing that we tell a lot of people in new recovery is that, you know, relapse is part of recovery. Well, I don't yeah. think that we necessarily need to tell people that coming in the gate because we're not understanding what the subconscious and the conscious and the brain and the mind and the way that is wired for someone in active addiction that gives someone uh, a subconscious out that says, okay, well, at least I can still hold on to this. So there's so many things. And this is one of the other reasons that I just, I really love to connect with you all because we are so on so many of the same pages with the different brain tricks and the brain hacks and how important it is to sobriety and, and recovery. Because if you don't retrain the very machine that got you where you're going, where you were, you can't, you, you can use all the muscle in the world if you want to. I often use uh, the analogy of, you know, I live by the ocean. So many times when you're in the ocean, you can stand as strong as you want to. The wave is still going to just pummel you into the ground. But if you learn to move with and, and jump with the wave, you have to learn to be fluid with that wave versus trying to strength, hold it back. And many times I think that we're moving away from the model that says just abstain and you'll be fine. Oh my God. That's like trying to hold back, you know, water in a dam with your hands. It just doesn't work. Then you get into the shame cycle. Well, especially if you're making that a painful experience as well. If you're clinging onto that through sheer willpower, then what you're telling your subconscious is there's no reward. That's right. Punishing yourself. Yes. To, to get the one thing that you're striving to get. And um, I read it described really well, actually, that if you imagine the conscious brain, that's your kind of snap decision maker. You can make decisions all the time and, you know, you think, you think briefly and you do them. But your subconscious, you kind of, you know, that's the bit that's making you breathe and your heartbeat and all the rest of it. That's really a well-rehearsed, very deep part of the brain that's yeah. just used to doing what it's doing. It doesn't require any input from you particularly. Where did we read this? I don't, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember now. We've read a lot of things. But um, the way that I, I really love this is if you imagine like the reward is the feeling good then what you're used to is the shortcut through the woods, the bit that's like a proper path that people have walked for years and years and years and years. And it's easy. It's easy to walk yeah. that path, to pick up the drink and to get the reward of yeah. feeling temporarily, albeit. Yeah. What you have to do when you're rewiring your brain is actually make a new path. And that takes a lot of hard work. You've got to cut back the weeds. You've got to dig the ground. You've got to move step by step. Yeah same point of happiness and it takes time but when you've made the effort to make the new path the reward is much much better because you've put in the work and yeah. that's rewiring your brain really is absolutely hear that warriors i just want you to hear that like hear that hear that hear that because there's there's nothing ever that says recovery is easy because it's not, but blazing that new path is so rewarding because now your life is changing, you know, like that you start to see the evidence of that in, in areas of your life that you're not even particularly working on. You know what I mean? Like, like that evidence, that rewiring of that one neuropathway absolutely affects 
so many other places in your life. And once you start kind of getting off, so to speak, on seeing these amazing changes happening in your life and just like, you know, your story uh, of the miscarriage. And I'm so from my heart, you know, just would give you the biggest hug. And I, you know, no. I, I am so sorry that happened to you. And at the same time, I must honestly congratulate you on being able to share that and that you worked a different tool in your toolbox that sometimes you, we don't know if our tools work, if we just collect them all and never have to use them. And yeah. so, you know, I, it started there and, and, and that soul cycle, that healing happened there. And, you know, that's so absolutely extraordinary. And I love that even that didn't send you back. And from that one place, that one new path, it gives you this motivation for life. If you didn't use there, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what? you? Okay. And a lot of people may say, you know, you can't say stuff like that. You're getting too cocky. You're going to find yourself in a relapse. But that's what true healing is. True healing of the roots of those places equals true healing. It equals, I don't have that pathway. That pathway is not lit up anymore. I exactly, might not yeah. <clears throat> And if you look at it in the same analogy that I just used, in time, the old the, the old pathway overgrows again. Yeah. And you never want to go back down that and put in all yeah. that work to undo what you've done. So it's quite a nice analogy to get your head around. Beautiful. It's the how you do the the uh, the new path that's the real work, though. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk to you ladies about at this point because you know we share a lot of the things. Um, you know, so talk to us about some of the ways that you ladies have found that have been really helpful and basically kind of quick. You know, versus <laughs> that you got to beat at this one stick for twelve years or thirteen years. <laughs> Talk to us about some of this, some of your ways. Well, I think the first one is you've already touched upon it, and that's you are not your thoughts. You mm -hmm. don't act on your thoughts. And if you can start to see your thoughts and your cravings as an object away from yourself and dissociate yourself from that thought, you can start to realize that you don't have to do what the thought's telling you to do. Yeah. So yeah. there's different ways of doing it. Um, you know. It, some some experts say if you turn that thought into a black and white image and put the things that you want in color in your mind that's mm -hmm. another way is to say you imagine it as an animal like a, an, a real physical elephant in the room and when the elephant comes to visit you say to the elephant go away not today <laughs> you know and you make it walk away from you so there's, there's actual really little quick tricks that you can do to just deal with the in the moment craving um that on its own isn't going to do anything long term but if you do that long enough yes recognize those thoughts coming in um yeah. so you know the way you talk to yourself if you can catch yourself when you say oh i need a drink with oh i need a drink okay i need a drink and you can actually catch that thought and think right what is that thought really do i need a drink why do i need a drink what what is the stress in this situation right now or the joy in this situation that is making me think I need to drink? Yes. Now, what does the drink do to this situation? 
Would it make it better? Would it heal it? Would it stop it? Um, and, and that's where then you can start to unpick where those trigger points are and where those cravings are coming from. So that's, yeah. that's a really kind of quick tour around the kind of work that we do with each other as well, you know, and, and with some of the people that come to us and say, I've got a craving and I'm going to act on it. Well, are you really going to act on it? You know, put yourself a list together. Lisa, Lisa tells people all the time, put yourself a list together of non-negotiables, don't you? Yeah, yeah I love that one, the non-negotiables before you go and either use or pick up a drink that you will promise yourself that you'll either just write a sentence on a Facebook group or you'll um, phone somebody that you care about or somebody that you haven't seen for ages. You know, just kind of promise yourself five things that you will do before you um, go and use. But for, for me, something that as massively worked and it's something that I've practiced all my life is mindset and positive thinking and being kind to yourself and you know treating yourself and it's really hard and it looking after you can be so so difficult and something that I learned or what somebody taught me about and this was weird because I'd been to my cousin's house and he'd actually got some pictures of us when we were really little and it came inside the universe works in funny ways doesn't it because at the same time I'd listened to um, a podcast and somebody was saying if you've got a picture of yourself when you're little what would you want for that little girl or that little boy or you know what what would you want would you talk to them if you you know, and I think sometimes if you can find a picture of yourself, it's it makes me dead emotional because I've just honestly because it's just such a nice thing to do or powerful, talk. isn't it? Yeah, really, really powerful. Like, what would you really want? And you can see it then differently because we have it's like there's a stigma about being nice to yourself. And yeah. In these things where little children, you know, and they like go and they look in mirrors and say, Look how beautiful I am, and and then people laugh at them and it it, takes it, away, it kind it? of takes it away. That is <clears throat> and it's yeah. so bloody hard to do. So affirmations for me, um, meditation, and that's kind of my go-to's each time. Um, meditation in particular, I find a lot easier to do when. I'm sad than I do when I'm happy. I've got to really work at that when I'm in a good mood. That's really, I'm so glad you said that. I've never heard anybody else say that. I just think that way. And I've never understood like, you know, why is it so much easier for me to really dive into meditation? I'll sit there for an hour if I'm, you know, if I'm sad or if I'm going through something, but it seems that, you know, when things are, good and happy it's easy to kind of oh let it slip by today and and those things and I wonder sometimes I was thinking of this this morning in fact because I went I was questioning this in my head this morning I thought hmm well I wonder if (laughs) my lack of meditation during those good times is actually bringing me to these very sad times where now I have to stay in this and and you know, I'll never know. But you guys, it's so important that what you, what you're what both of you are talking about as far as, you know, number one, we got to become aware and becoming the observer of a thought and separating identity because 
that's my big thing about, you know, with, with saying I'm an addict. I don't like to say that because I have now learned the power of the I am and the power of identity. And one of the things that helped me, well, it was the place that I had to start because my whole identity was wrapped around being victimized as a young child. And it just seemed to be how my life was paved out and, and being inherently different, born different. Um, then having on top of that, you know, all of these different abuse, this feelings of, you know, there's so many things that happen in childhood and people think, Oh, it's so cliche. Everything doesn't go back to childhood, but it really does because yeah, it does. Really does. you were born pure consciousness. You were born pure love. And from there, you start all of your foundations begin to be built, your belief systems, the way you associate. And everybody can think back to childhood and realize that children take everything upon themselves. Everything. Yeah. If they see their, their caretaker smile, they say, I did that. You know, I did that. I'm making them happy. If they yeah. see that inherently a child says, what did I do? Why is mommy? Why is daddy not happy? And and then what do we we tell our we tell our children these things? And it's before we knew I didn't know. We tell our, our children things about money when they want things. You know, we say yeah, you don't deserve that or you haven't been this or or they go get a big tub of, you know, whatever, get three toys and you, you, you know, you don't deserve all that or you can't have all that. What do you think I'm made of money? A beginning that starts beginning to build our belief systems. It starts from the time a child gets here, the adults in that life start kind of destroying the magic because they believe in anything and everything. I think what we're doing right now in, in our lives is we're learning how to get back to that. We're learning yeah. how to believe that everything is possible, that that the only limits that we truly experience are the limits we put upon ourselves. And it takes time, like you ladies are saying, it takes time to find those beliefs, find those roots, break them down and, and start rebuilding them in different ways. But it can happen, you know, the... The neurolinguistic programming, what Alex was talking about for warriors that don't know is is basically Alex talking about a, a programs that's called neurolinguistic programming, which really has been a go to for mind. The one that I use all the time is sitting in the movie theater and seeing, you know, my thoughts on the screen and having, yeah. them, you know, get bigger and bigger until they go and out and then. I know we share the um, emotional freedom technique, the EFT tapping, which is very, very easy to do and produces such a great feeling. I tap all the time with my one. And I, I started that in probably my second, second year of recovery when I was, I, I didn't know what to do. I was wigging out. I was already on medications for anxiety. I was on medications for depression. I couldn't figure this out. So I started reaching outside of myself for things that were not medication surrounded and yeah. because I just couldn't take anymore. I was like, I can't take any more medicine at this point, you know, so what am I going to yeah. do? That's when I discovered tapping. And, you know, I think that 
maybe if you ladies will come back on our show one time, we'll do a, 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 a tapping session for, you know, for people that are here. I'd love to have you guys on and do that because I think that it's time that we step out of the old paradigms of what recovery is, what it's not, that it's got to be this drab, you know, experience. It's just what you said, you know, there's no reward to it. You're just, ex you know, exerting strength and everything and everyone gets tired of just doing that. You drop your hands and then when you fall back, you get mad at yourself. You, you shame yourself. You guilt yourself. And it is up to us and those of us with platforms to bring this new paradigm about that says, hey, this doesn't have to be such a daunting task. There are so many things and ways we can do this. And um, I love to see, I get, I get to use the word. It's such a feminine word, but I'm going to use it. I get pure giddy when I see some of the posts that y'all put up in the mornings. Cause I'm like, I know, I, I know this is <laughs> I'm like, yay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's another part of it as well. You know, like this whole, one thing that we both do and we did this before we even knew that it was a thing is we reframe everything, but this is an actual NLP technique that you can do in two minutes. So, you know, in the early days when you think, oh, I can't use or, oh, I can't have a drink, just stop, take that thought and reframe it and think about all the good things that will come from you not doing that. So rather than the I can't, reframe it. And we started doing that really early on. And that's where a lot of our posts come from. You know, we do laugh at ourselves. We laugh at other people as well, but we especially laugh at ourselves. <laughs> We don't laugh at other people. We, do. we laugh with them. <laughs> but we do laugh at ourselves a lot. And if you know, so it's not for we're not for everybody. And somebody said this to us the other day. We absolutely love your methods. And we can imagine you're not for everybody. No, we're probably not because we haven't got a serious bone in our body. And that's so much easier for us because we both have down days. We know how hard it is some days. You know, I phoned Lisa up crying and said, I just want to drink some wine. And she's gone, no, you don't. Do you like hangovers? <laughs> do you? Do you, like, do you like that? And I go, no, no, I don't suppose I do. And we just, you know, that's our way. That's what we do. We just take the mick out of each other and our weaknesses. We do. <laughs> and I think it's so important to concentrate on all the amazing things. You know what? Life can be hard. Bad stuff happens. Yeah. We've got to concentrate because you know what? For every single bad thing, and this can be really when things are going wrong, it can be really hard to be grateful for things. But there's always, always, always something to be grateful for. Always, no matter what it is. And I think it's and this is and some people don't want to be grateful. They want bad. No. <laughs> they do they're like no it's rubbish and you know can i tell them about when you when you with the windows when your windows went through and you phoned me up and you were so upset i'm gonna oh, do yeah, it go on. that lisa had a windows put through one time while she was sober and not you know not massively way into it and she was so devastated she was already going through a really shitty time and then the windows got put through and she had no windows at all in her front room and she's going up crying and she was like, my life's falling apart. Everything's really bad. And in the middle of these sobbing tears, she went, but at least the roof's still here. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what I did here, right? This, this is something. And my mum was really proud of me. In my 
garden is now beautiful. It's full of flowers. It looks like absolutely stunning. And in the front garden, there's a lot of painted rocks, but well, they're actually bricks. And the bricks that came through the window, long story, it'd take a whole nother podcast there. <laughs> but the bricks that came through the window, me and the kids painted, and they have the words happy. Oh, and we painted these bricks. <laughs> they're in the garden. And I'm like, you will that's <laughs> That's great. That is great. Well, gr gratitude is, I mean, gratitude is the absolute ingredient, first and best ingredient for hope. I mean, I think like it's the, the most important ingredient for hope and gratitude has the power to really change a life. It's changed mine. You know, most people know my story is that I started there and I was one of those people that I was addicted to the suck. I was addicted to the anger. I was addicted and I didn't really understand why right. until I started taking it apart and realizing that it was almost like a high, you know, like every, everything is rushed out at once. And, you know, I, I didn't even realize it until I started like taking things apart and reframing things. And, you know, and, and my son, I was seeing him start to exhibit this behavior as well. And I had the nerve to be pissed off. And I'm like, how can you get pissed off? Like, what? Are you, what? And I decided I was not going to be a hypocrite anymore. And then I started with that one exercise, a Bob Proctor exercise, where he said, you know, make a list of five things you're grateful for. And I was like, no. You know, I was so focused on everything that was going wrong. And so by the end of that exercise, I wrote down one thing. And I really had to like struggle to find it. And from that day, my life has never been the same. You know, doing that on a daily basis, it really turns your perspective into starting. to. It, it's almost like a game. It's almost like a game where you start trying to find, OK, this sucks, but this is really awesome. At least the roof is still on, you know, at least, you know, I got these beautiful painted rocks now. Sorry, when you know, if I'm driving somewhere and it's like not a nice place, I re and I do it with the children in the car as well. I'm like, right, find find the beautiful. What can you see? Like, look at that tree there. And I think it's so important. It really is. It truly, truly is. It really is, man. I I am so grateful to have you guys come back with me today. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have to do this again. I will rope <laughs> you two back here again. Um, you're gonna get tired of seeing me because I could have you here all the time. But um, you know, thank y'all so much for coming on and sharing what you've shared with this audience today, man. I love the people that show up and 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 come see the videos and do all and. And, and support the podcast and everything that I do. They're amazing human beings and they really, really are hungry for change. So having you ladies come on and be able to give them something they can put into practice today, right now, that they can start to really see results means more to me than I could ever express because I want every one of these, these human beings to obtain the healing and the happiness and the love and, and the grace and mercy that they're all looking and longing for and willing to do the work for. And there's some beautiful, amazing people. So tell all of them how they can get in touch with all of you. 
make sure how they can find the sober experiment. <laughs> I put it in the comments, but I want you guys to tell it. Oh, again. thank you. So we've got the website, which is www.soberexperiment.co.uk. And okay. um, on Instagram, we are at Sober Experiment. And Facebook. And Facebook. And Twitter is Experiment Sober. Is that right? Yeah, there is a, there is another The Sober Experiment. So we're Sober Experiment. And you can tell anyway because it's Alex and Lisa logo. Yeah, it's our logo. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah, if you turn around, you'll recognize it. Yeah, it's like the back of us. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Now, also, before we go, tell them some of the things that you guys are doing. I know you have the sober sessions that you do. Those are on the weekends, correct? Yeah, we've got them all. We've, we've just actually taken a break today. We've just recorded the last one today. So the okay. idea of sober sessions was that we just put something on during lockdown to help the sober community have somewhere to go every week and just check in. And, um, and have some, you know, different topics and so on. And we've had guests on every week for the last 18 weeks. And um, we have brought it to a close for now. We're not sure exactly when we're going to be back. They're on yeah. our YouTube channel. They're on our YouTube channel, yeah. You can catch okay. up on all of them. And there's been some absolutely amazing conversations, haven't there? There's been some amazing uh, conversations and guests as well. We've had some top authors on there from um, some oh. of the yeah recovery and quit literature haven't yeah. we it's been really yeah We've really had, good I saw that. our ambassadors was on there um nicoa you've got a nicoa in the states we've got a nicoa over here so it's, it's the uk one which is an alcohol children of alcoholics we've honestly there's been so much going on with that um but yeah then the usual obviously our podcast actually starts back um, you're coming on it aren't you Anna? i am i am yeah, i can't yeah. wait so we're on season two of our podcast and that starts back mid-August. So um, that's exciting because we've actually been sponsored by Luna Courses. Um, so if anyone wants to do any kind of um, courses on NLP and um, life coaching and so on, Luna Courses is where we did ours. And, um, oh. and they're sponsoring our podcast season. So awesome. That's amazing. I liked when I saw that you you had the NLP certificate. I was like, okay, that's one I don't have. Like, I need that one. I've read the books, but I don't have the paper. You know, the the actual technique. Oh, I like, cool. Please, I'll send you some stuff. I'll send yeah. you the link for that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So much. Um, but yeah, and, and other than that, it's just the business as usual. So we're still going out to the workplaces. The good news is, and as you were saying before, we are now international with our workplace thing. So um, because of because of the lockdown, it's forced us into um, Zoom mode. So yeah, we can bring our presentation anywhere in the world now. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's right. Find the blessings in all the messes. You know what I mean? This It's been an amazing kind of lockdown, you know, as well. Really done some things. And so I'm so happy for you all. I'm so happy for you all. You deserve this success. And I know that this time next year, it's going to be even bigger than, you know, you ever dreamed of because what you're doing really helps people and it really helps people learn to believe in themselves heal themselves and, and not just put down, you know, alcohol or drugs, not just that it's, it's a whole full body experience. And I just love you too. I really, really do. So well, great. I love, you right back, yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. 
All right. So you guys have heard where to find Alex and Lisa. I want to thank everybody for showing up here today. Everybody that's going to watch this in the replay, if you would not mind, please put hashtag replay down in the comments when you watch it and share it out, share it across your groups, share it to all your friends. Let's let our entire world know the sober experiment and Alex and Lisa, you guys already know how much I love you. And guess what? I will see you guys again tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time with Anthony McCauley, the founder and CEO of Males of Distinction and Ladies of Merit, the author of four published books. And he is my friend, my brother. He's an amazing human being. So I want to see all of you right back here. Go get a lunch. Go do what you got to do. Be back here at 8 p.m. I love everybody. I love you too. And I'll see you guys soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Hey, podcast audience, wasn't that an amazing interview with the Sober Experiment? Man, I love Alex and Lisa so much. They just enrich my life. And I know, I know that I know that I know that they have enriched yours once again here on the Recovery Soul Food Podcast. So I want to thank you for your likes, for your shares, for you showing up here and and supporting this podcast hey, consider becoming a supporter of the Recovery Soul Food Podcast. For even as low as 99 cents a month, you can help us here at Recovery Soul Food keep this podcast going and share it out to the world. We are trying to share the hope of recovery and many new and remarkable techniques to get us there easier and quicker. It is possible for us to be fully recovered. We just got to go for that deep healing and retrain our brains. So know that Recovery Soul Food Podcast is going to always bring you information, inspiration, and motivation right along these lines. And hey, don't forget, if you want to live your recovery out loud, spread your message of hope without ever having to say a word, run over to shoprecoverystuff.com Pick up the latest and most stylish apparel, gifts, jewelry, cards, pretty much everything recovery you can imagine they've got at shoprecoverystuff.com. Marty and Mark McLeod are two of the most amazing human beings who have been touched by the disease of addiction themselves and are now out trying to share a message of hope, not only to people in recovery, but to the families of those as well. So I always want to thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Listen, continue to live your recovery. Know that you are worth a beautiful and amazing life. And until next time, I'm LC, your host, and I love you.